0: Welcome to Tools for Liberty, a program designed to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, and to offer your mind critical thinking and adventure. I'm
1: Jay Dylan Proctor.
2: I'm Amanda Sparrow.
1: And I'm Anthony Allegria.
2: Our main topics today in our main section is going to be the character of Satan, and then in our other section we will talk a little bit about Hanukkah.
1: But before we get to those, let's talk about money gets a CT scan. Okay. so.
0: There's a lot of people who are just hypersensitive about politics today, and healthcare is one of the the big political topics we have going on in in the West. So if you want to just be completely rid of the the politicals, the the causes and effects of of healthcare, but you still want to have healthcare where you won't ever have to to pay for it or or worry about that at all, all you have to do is wait 2,000 years, because we have a great story brought to us by bgr.com. And what has happened here is they have a, a mummy who has been dead for, we'll say, around 2,000 years, who has come in to have his CT scan at a hospital in Syracuse, New York. And the good things is that they have correctly diagnosed his illness. He had a a rare cancer in the the fibula, but he does not have to worry about dealing with the medical bills or anything. (laughs) He just had to endure the wait just a little bit.
2: Another kind of interesting thing, they've nicknamed this mummy, um, Han, which... uh, it has to be kind of funny. A lot of, when we did our last segment about a great pyramid, they decided to name a big space, the big void. So obviously those in charge of naming things and about ancient Egypt are are not exactly the most creative in, uh, making names, but so yeah, this mummy, he's been properly diagnosed, doesn't have to do or deal with any of the consequences other than, well, being a mummy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The, the, the treatment, great. The diagnosing, great. Um, all of it great. The, the expense he has personally is all fantastic. It comes at the cost of waiting 2,000 years. So when you can't sacrifice anything else, you can at least sacrifice time. Okay, so in our main segment today, we're going to be talking about the character of Satan. So this is something which is really interesting. And we're going to go about this with a little bit of a debate between the three of us. So how we're planning on doing this is each of the three of us will take a stance that is not our own personal stance, but we're going to defend one of the aspects of, of understanding Satan. And we really have three aspects we're going to look at. The first is the historical, the sort of amoral and objective understanding of the concept of Satan, how it has evolved throughout time. The second is the notion that Satan is something like an, an evil twin of, of God, It's sort of this, this dark cosmic deity that is the, the arbiter of, of things evil and somebody will be defending that stance. And the third stance we're going to be looking at is this idea of it, Satan being sort of like a wearable figure where it's some internal moral struggle that is within us. So again, just to reiterate those three, three forms, the first is going to be the historical, the amoral and objective examination of the, kiss, the character of Satan. The second will be the God's evil twin notion, which is this external moral struggle. And the last will be the werewolf perspective, which is the internal moral struggle. And so to discern which stance we are going to to be defending, we are going to play a game of rock, paper, scissors between the three of us. The loser of the first round, or I should say the absolute loser of the first round will be the historical stance, and then we will petition out the others based on that. So let's get straight into it, shall we? Um, We'll say me and Amanda will go first, and we will go rock, paper, scissors, and then hit after. Okay. All right. So are we ready? Yep. Rock, rock, paper, papers, scissors. Hit. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. I got
2: rock, ah. so I win.
0: So she's out. So now it's me against Anthony, who will do right. the historical. You ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Anthony's doing the historical. Ah, uh, shoot. Yep. <laughs> Anthony does the historical side. Okay, so now me and Amantha have to play to see who will defend the notion of of this cosmic um, character of Satan and who will be the one who describes Satan as being a, a werewolf. This is gonna be fun because, this is gonna be fun. All right, okay, I have ready? no idea what how this is gonna ready? go. We we've researched all these topics a bit, so we're just, this will be fun. Okay, all I'm right, gonna I'm gonna
2: say it so we know what we're doing. All right. Okay. Rock paper scissors go. Oh, we won again. <laughs> we both picked the same thing again.
0: <laughs> Wait, we did. Yeah. So that means. All
2: right. Well, I won. I want to do the evil twin, so I'm going All right. to pick Amanda's that Amanda's doing the evil twin,
0: and I'm going to do the <laughs> werewolf perspective. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a blast with this.
2: And just to re- reiterate something Dylan said, um, we are not saying that we personally believe in the ones that we're defending. We're just going to relay the information to you also we're not saying that these three are co- a comprehensive list of the different perspectives of Satan. There may be others or variations on these three, but it's something that we can begin this conversation and hope that would intrigue you enough to investigate on your own and continue the conversation.
0: All right, so- we'll be back. <laughs> For our main segment today we're going to be talking about the character of satan and each of the three of us has adopted a a different perspective than what we we have personally but for the purposes of debate and dialogue we're going to be articulating three different stances in response to seven different questions now we sorted this out using rock paper scissors earlier and let's just go ahead and get started by introducing
1: the three perspectives that we each have anthony from the historical perspective I'll be taking the historical perspective, which looks at this situation from an amorally and objectively view.
2: Right, and I'm going to be talking about something we've entitled this perspective God's evil twin. It's going to look at the character of Satan as an external uh, force in the moral struggle.
0: And I'm going to be looking at this from the the stance of the werewolf, which says that the, the language of Satan is a metaphor for the purely internal struggle we have as people. It's not an external figure, it's not a, a godlike figure, and it's not something which is necessarily historically relevant, because it's something that is found inside each and every one of us, this moral struggle we all have. Now, again we're going to look at seven different questions, all of these perspectives are things we can find in, in theology, and they're substantiated by different things in Scripture, and we're each going to make the case as we go through this debate and dialogue. So, question number one
1: for each of us to answer,
0: who is Satan?
1: We can look at the language of Hebrew and see that he is the abstract accuser, or in Greek, the diabolical one, and so... We can look at this and see that it's really just an abstraction of what uh, what people would consider other evil people. It's like, all right, this is the accuser, you know. And Satan has also evolved from infamous figures such as King Nebuchadnezzar in Isaiah fourteen twelve. And I can read for you here where it refers to him. You will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon, how the oppressor has come to an end, how his fury has ended. And within the context... It reads later on how you have fallen. You have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations.
2: All right, and so then looking from the evil twin perspective, um, we would read those same scriptures and hear the same stories. But instead of seeing purely a historical character, we would say that there was an external force that this uh, creature, uh, supernatural person, um, instigated these instances, and especially the passage that Anthony just read uh, where he says that it is a referring to a historical character, we would say that this is the beginning of where we get the idea that uh, Lucifer, who was once, once an angel of God, was kicked out of heaven. Um, kind of this uh, Loki-Thor dynamic where uh, God throws out the mischievous one, and then he's left to roam the earth, causing more chaos and calling together all the other lower supernatural evil forces together, uh, where they can tempt and cause harm.
0: And of course, from the the werewolf perspective, even if we go back to the, to the language in the the Bible, if we go back to the language of Greek, we see there's things like the description of evil. A lot of times in our prayers, we we say things like deliver us from evil, but if we, we go back, it's not actually the evil one. There's an article before the, the term paneros, but there's not actually a specific noun or pronoun or anything after that. So it's an implied evil one, but it also could be interpreted as the, the evil within us, could it not? Is it not possible that it's a reflexive evil, that it's something that is internal for us? because whenever we think about Satan, Satan is something which really of course it's evolved over time and we have to ask the question of why has it evolved over time? If we go all the way back to the book of Job, we see this idea of the accuser. we see stuff in the New Testament where where Christ goes out into the desert and there's this this struggle does he want to to eat? Does he want to just use the powers he has to to cause you know all of his suffering to go away? It's that internal struggle that we have. Satan is a metaphor for the internal struggle that each and every one of us has. And it's something we can find anywhere in time, anywhere in, in geography. We are always having internal struggles. There's two wolves within us. If we feed the, the bad wolf, we turn into a monster. If we feed the good wolf, we're, we're nice and tame like a a wonderful, a wonderful dog. So moving on to our next question. Is it okay to not believe in an entity Called Satan. So, Anthony, from the historical perspective.
1: All right. So, again, from the historical perspective, there are bad people, and, uh, you know, they likely generated the idea of Satan and abstraction of these bad people. But um, is it necessarily bad not to believe in this entity? From the historical perspective, it really doesn't matter. Although, if you're looking at who's right and wrong, then it'd actually be better not to believe in him from the historical perspective.
2: All right, so then when we go into evil twin, obviously a fundamental part of this belief is that you have to believe in a Satan. There has to be this entity. And so to say that there is no entity, there is no uh, evil creature roaming the earth, then you're uh, you're falling into heresy. Um, and we see that the the language of the uh Diablo, the, the diabolical one, that even though we might, some of these others would try to explain it away in the historical or, or psychological um, struggle, is that it's still the source of that struggle, the source of these evil people is ultimately this evil one, and that is Satan, Lucifer, um, the, the king of angels. And so this person has to exist in order for there to be this reality in which, um, these things happen. And so we can also see this in, in a simple question. If there is no devil, then why in our scripture are people being exercised? Why are there interactions? You know, uh, Dylan referenced Jesus's temptation in the desert. There is, there seems, there is this character that is tempting, that is asking these questions, that is prompting the struggle that is in Jesus.
0: And of course, from the, the werewolf perspective, um, Amanda's right. The scriptures do tell us this, but we know that people are more complicated than they are self-aware. What if we, we go back in time and and we don't have the language to describe psychological phenomenon? We don't have the, the understandings of mental health. And this was just the way that people tried to, to speak about the, the internal struggle. I mean, they, they weren't as great as communicating, perhaps, as we were today. So So sure, that language was there, but maybe they just weren't as and they weren't as well articulated as we would hope for them to be their their language wasn't inclusive enough to to articulate concepts so they just conceptualize all these these different things in in abstract deities and things of, of that nature again going back to the the heart of this perspective it is an evil within us sure the language might suggest something else but we have to ask did they have language for articulating anything else and you know if they don't have words to say that that this is a internal problem and the only way they can conceptualize it is by by talking about the devil then then that's what it is
2: And for our next question is, there is not an article of faith on Satan. Why? And just to uh, explain what an article of faith is, in case uh, you're not familiar with the Church of the Nazarene, article of faith is kind of the basic beliefs. There are 16 of them in the Church of the Nazarene. There are basic beliefs that describe the theology and the philosophy of this denomination. And we do not have one on Satan. So, to Anthony, with your perspective, why don't we have one?
1: Okay, from the the perspective that I'm, that I'm taking, which is a historical objective and amoral perspective, it really doesn't matter um, whether or not there's an article of faith based on this. Again, objective and amoral really has nothing to do, would lead us to believe that the articles of faith does not matter.
2: And with the evil twin perspective, the answer would be we need one. Uh, we need an articulation of who this evil force is, how this evil force works, but ultimately how we defeat it. How do we interact with this evil force and how do we get it to go away? How do we live good lives in spite of it? And with the lack of articulation on this subject, people are left to continue an argument and a conversation that leads to more chaos instead of uh, back to order.
0: Well, look, from the, the werewolf perspective, Maybe it's, again, people are torn. They're torn on the theology, and the, the leaders who are writing things, when they come together and vote on this stuff, they're, they're not ready to write anything down because they themselves are, are torn on the theology. They're hesitant to confront the issue because it's, it's such a controversial issue, and because we don't want to create too division between ourselves and the past, we haven't come to resolution on that. That's why there's no article of faith.
2: All right. For our next question is, what about other figures? So we don't only just hear about the diabolical one or the accuser, but we start hearing some other characters named like Beelzebub. And before we answer that question, Dylan, would you tell us who Beelzebub is?
0: Yeah. So we see these other other devil-like figures in other cultures. We get people like Beelzebub. Um, he's referenced even in scripture. And he is, of course, the, the diseased, riddled demon in a swarm of flies on a dead body. So why in the world? How do we reconcile that, Anthony, with the, your
1: history, historical perspective over there? Tell us how we reconcile that. Well, really, it seems as though this could only be the primitive explanation for what was taking place. You know, they didn't understand that the that there were likely germs on the flies or anything else of that matter. So it's easy to see how. Uh, and again, this goes back to just how legendary it was, you know. It's not legendary thinking about like, you know, flies on a dead body, but it becomes infamous that flies on a dead body lead to bad things, you know. And so it has to be in some way um, attributed to a basic understanding of where bad things come from, evil.
2: All right, and then in Evil Twin, we would say that uh, Beelzebub is one of the many demons that Satan employs to create chaos and uh, death and destruction in the world. And so Beelzebub is just one more character in the uh, pantheon of, of evil.
0: And from the sort of werewolf perspective, I, I agree a lot with the historical perspective on this. Because, look, people, they didn't know how to conceptualize micro microbials and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, they didn't understand how to, to talk about bacteria and viruses that, that may be in the world. So what did they do? They said... We we teach our kids, you know, there's a there's a demon in those those flies over there. But again, the the origin of the struggle is is our own inability to really understand things, so so we have to create these other, other ways of, of articulating them. We we know that there's something wrong with the, the dead flies on a dead body, that there's diseases and things in there, but we really don't know what diseases are, so we conceptualize this as just being a, a figure that we can talk about because that's how we can teach our kids.
2: All right. And then as we continue kind of to get more at each other, how would you, from your perspective, uh, explain away the other two viewpoints? Anthony?
1: Well, Satan is only the abstraction of what other human beings experience, whether or not it was oppression from like King Nebuchadnezzar or it was disease from touching dead bodies. It's an abstraction of bad things, the evil in the world. So... Really, it is extremely unproductive to focus on fighting an imaginary entity that, or even within yourself, because just because outside other people like King Nebuchadnezzar, the oppressors, could be capable of such evil. Does that mean that you could be? I do not think so, according to the historical amoral objective perspective.
2: And again, the evil twin would say that the rest of you are heretics, that you've not read or studied your scriptures well enough uh, to understand this character that 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 is prowling like the roaring lion that uh, Peter will write in one of his epistles. Um, it's so, Or it, one of the Gospels talk about that the evil one has come to kill and still and destroy, but Christ has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So obviously there is this external uh, f- supernatural entities that are locked in an eternal battle for your soul and for the world. And if you could just read your scriptures a little bit better, maybe a little bit more fundamentally, uh, you would get that perspective.
0: And of course, from the werewolf, I've got to say, if you're going to be historical only, you, you've got to recognize that people have have some sort of battle within themselves. Not everybody is intrinsically good. In fact, no one is intrinsically good. Some people are good. Some people will behave badly. Some people will be nice. Some people will be monsters. The thing is, is there's a battle within all of us. If we just dismiss, dismiss it as a historical reality, it's it's foolish. And if we simply say that it's an external battle and we just want to say we have to you know, when you, you take the light bulbs out, you have people praying so that the demons don't get you in the dark, then that diminishes your own personal responsibility in resolving things. We as ourselves, we have to have personal responsibility. And that is why we, we look at scripture for what it is. It's a beautiful piece of of art. It's a, The language there is artistic. It's trying to convey something that people really didn't understand. So that is the, that's the problem with, with the historical thing is because it, it removes ourselves from the story too much. And if we say it's external, then that also, it removes ourselves from being personally responsible in it.
2: So our final question is this. Does your view on Satan challenge people to live their lives? And if it does, how?
1: Well, from the historical and amoral and objective perspective on this, Really, it does not matter, but it is extremely unproductive to focus on non-existent issues. If you're constantly fighting yourself or something that is external and not there, obviously, you're wasting a whole lot of your time from this perspective.
2: And how does viewing Satan as a external entity change our lives? Well we can all say that the child who, you know, stole the cookie and says, Well, Satan made me do it, maybe that's a little bit childish. But still, there's an external external force that is tempting us, that is creating environments in which it is easy to do evil. And so this entity needs to be understood so that it could be combated. So we can have other entities on our side, that will help us to do good and do better in our world.
0: And of course, from the, the werewolf perspective, as we recognize that we have an internal struggle, that means we must always, always be fighting within ourselves to, to make sure that we are suppressing the things which are bad. We must suppress the evil within us, and we must emphasize our, our tendencies to do good. And that is the whole point of the language of Satan, because it reminds us that we always must be, be checking ourselves and making sure that we are not bad people.
2: So, in this conversation, as we have continued to answer these questions, you may be thinking to yourself, well, I might like one perspective or the other, or some combination of the two, or a fourth option we haven't even talked about. Again, this is not a comprehensive list, nor is it the perspective of each individual that was talking about it, but we hope that it has inspired you to go on an adventure to investigate this character uh, we call Satan, and what exactly uh, is he, what he does, and how does that impact our lives. Uh, So continue to stay with us. We have another segment coming up. And like I said, I hope this has sparked an adventure in your own personal lives.
0: All right, well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And now moving on, we're going to talk about Hanukkah a little bit, but let me just start with a simple question to Amanda. What is Hanukkah?
2: So as you can see by my lovely sweater that my mom got me as a Hanukkah gift, um, I'll be our resident Hanukkah expert for today. Uh, uh, Just a real disqualifier, I'm not Jewish, either culturally or religiously, uh, but uh, my family and I practice some Jewish holidays. So what is Hanukkah? Hanukkah is the celebration of light or the festival of dedication. It's actually referenced in John's Gospel real briefly. So we believe Jesus probably celebrated Hanukkah. Um, And what Hanukkah celebrates is the revolt of the Maccabees. So this happens during uh, the Greco Empire. It happens after Alexander the Great. So he ruled, he had some religious freedom for all the people he conquered. The guy after him was not so lenient and actually outlawed Judaism. So the Maccabees, a group of brothers came together and revolted against the Greek empire. They were able to get the Greeks out and to restore Israel. And when they get back to the temple, which was pretty well ransacked, they have to have light, holy light, that is uh, lighting the way for the rebuilding of the temple. As they're doing this they realize that there's only enough oil for one night however they decide let's just do it and we'll wait and see and it takes about eight days to purify a new thing of oil miraculously the one little bit of oil lasts for eight days and so that's why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days and while candles and light are vitally important to the celebration also why we get to eat Uh, food cooked in oil as we celebrate the little bit of oil that lasted eight days. Another important symbol of Hanukkah is the menorah, which we'll have a picture for you. Menorah just means a candelabra in Hebrew, but what is important about a Hanukkah menorah or a Hanukkah is that it has eight branches representing each of the eight nights, and then a middle one, which is kind of the, the ninth one, that represents the little cruise of oil. And then you use that to light the other eight nights. So that's kind of a really quick, brief review of what is Hanukkah.
0: And interestingly, if, if I'm not mistaken, we can find all of this in the, the book of Maccabees, which most people won't find in their Bible if you open them up. But if you have a Bible which includes the Apocrypha, a lot of uh, Catholics and, and high church affiliate with the, the Apocrypha, but if you, you go and you purchase a Bible which has the Apocrypha in it, you'll find the, the Maccabees stories there in some additional books in the Old Testament. Yeah.
1: So why do we celebrate it?
2: Okay, so like I said, Hanukkah is a Jewish holiday. It's also a minor holiday, so it's not as important as Passover. Most Christians don't celebrate Hanukkah. I would imagine probably very few of them do because it's not a holiday that um, is talked about in our protestant scriptures and other than that really brief reference um in john we really don't know much about it Uh, but so why celebrate it and i think there's kind of two great theological um ideas that come out of the story of hanukkah i want to share real quick One of this is that the story of the Maccabees was being told or was happening around the same time that the story of Daniel was being told. Now, if you look in your scripture, Daniel talks about the Babylonian Empire, but has some great emphasis when it is being told and retold and written down during the Greek Empire. And there was two theological perspectives during this time. One was which which was taken by the scripture of Daniel that said, just wait on God. God will free his people. And the theological emphasis for the people who were following the Maccabees was get up and do something. You are called to action. And as these two theological emphases were kind of at war with one another in the midst of the, the actual war that was happening, the story of the Maccabees ends with a reminder that even after the people won the revolt, it was God who provided the oil to last for eight days while they rebuilt the temple. And the celebration of Hanukkah is not a celebration of a war or a revolt, but a celebration that God ultimately is the source for hope, deliverance, and life. And so I think that's one of the really good reasons to celebrate Hanukkah. A second emphasis is this. The story of Hanukkah happens in a time that Christians will kind of, when we talk about our Old Testament or New Testament, that this happened in between the Testaments. Uh, Some people would even say during a time where God was silent. And this is a really interesting perspective, I think, if we have this, because we would say, well, you know, with the closing of the New Testament, God is silent now. But what do we hear in the story? Even when everyone was saying that, that God was not happening, that, that deliverance was not happening, there were no more great kings or prophets or judges, God is still delivering God's people. That hope is still happening. And so the celebration of Hanukkah is this wonderful reminder that no matter the darkness, the light has come and the darkness cannot overtake it. So I'm just sharing some brief things about Hanukkah. I hope that you explore it more. To learn more about it, there's some really great fun things like playing with the menorah, eating lock keys, and opening gifts for eight nights. But it's so much more than all those things. It's a reminder of who our God is and who we are called to be.
0: And of course, the dreidel. I don't know how Amanda hasn't mentioned the dreidel (laughs) yet, which of course, not to discredit, Amanda is way more informed on this topic than I am. Um, Unimaginably more. So but anyways, the if I'm not mistaken, and, and she can correct me on this, is the dreidel not a tool that was used when it was illegal to to teach a lot of the, the Jewish tradition and things. They would play the game and they could use the the letters when they would land and they could teach based on just how the thing would fall, but then when soldiers are what could come by, they could say they're just playing a game or gambling or something.
2: Exactly. So uh, basically the, the basics of dreidel is you spin the top, whatever side is up, you do an action. But while the people were studying in secret, they would study, and then as soon as they saw a soldier coming, they would spin their talk because it's an easy, simple game, not a lot of setup, and they could say they're they're gambling. The letters on the dreidel uh, are the first letters in the phrase, a miracle happened there, unless you get a dreidel in Israel, which will then say a miracle happened here. And it's really fun. You can uh, win candy is what you usually um, kind of gamble with.
0: Well, that is great information. Thank you much for that, Amanda. But before we close out our program, Anthony has to share a cheap platitude. And last week, he wanted to use a one-word platitude. So we can't let him get off the hook for that. We have to make him produce more than that. He is, he is employed for a lot more than being a one-word platitude. Though I will say, his last name, Alegria, um, by his own confession, simply means happiness. So his last name actually is a one-word platitude. And of course, his middle name is Rock. That is actually a thing in reality. His name is Rock Happiness. So you can do with that ever how you, you may feel. But Anthony, give us a, a cheap platitude to to poke at here as we wrap things up. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. Mm, I would have gone with the devil is in the details. But that is a good platitude for a day when we have been talking about this the satanah, the accuser, the 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 persecutor, and all of that. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our program today. Please follow us on YouTube. Please follow us on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor. I think we're actually going to try to put together a a Facebook and Twitter poll on your disposition towards Satan and using the three perspectives we had today. But please do subscribe to our, our YouTube channel. The biggest thing you can do to help us out is really just share our content. And on that, have a blessed day.